This podcast episode is brought to you by The Cry Lounge. The Cry Lounge is an independent publishing company founded by this podcast host, Bonnie Orbison. The Cry Lounge transfers your daydreams onto paper. With two book releases the past two years, they are preparing to extend their service to other authors and other creators. To get more details and support this show, there's a link in the description you can check out. The Cry Lounge looks forward to meeting you. Hi, my name is Bonnie Orbison and you listen to my podcast, Bonnie's Legends. And he just listened to Evie Zoller's Lightning Bugs, my theme song of season two, and maybe of season three as well. I like it a lot. And if you want to know who is Evie Zoller, or you know him and you want to know more about him, or you're just a fan and want to listen to an interview, then you are at the right place. Back in July, I interviewed EB because he texted me, because I mentioned him in my story, because I listened to Club 40 Love while driving home, and he said he'd like to have an interview. And that was such an embarrassing moment, because he was on my list of legends, and I planned him into season two. But I haven't texted him yet. And then he was the one who asked me. I still remember how embarrassing that was for me. Because it was the first time the legend came to me. And I didn't go to them. But I figured out really fast that E.B. is a special person. After the interview we've done and you will listen to. I've realized that I've never met a person like E.B. before. I don't know what he does or what is so special about him, but I've never met a person that is so wise and not only in the musical section. Like, I have the feeling he's a really wise human being. And this interview was such a pleasure and such an experience that I believe I'll tell my grandchildren in six years or something. So that was really special. And maybe you feel the energy. Maybe I can show you with this interview what for a human being E.P. Solos is. And 
maybe you would say you will be like me after the interview. I don't know where you are right now. I don't know where you're listening to this episode. But after you finish this episode, maybe you will feel exactly like I did after the interview. And you will say, yes, Evie Zolas is a legend. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Evie Zolas. Hey. Hi, Bonnie. How are you? Just sitting on a rainbow. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm fine. What's going on? How you're in you're in Berlin? No, I'm not in Berlin. That's that's North Germany. I'm in South Germany right now. What's the name of your city or town? Um, I live near Strasbourg. So really near to France. Near Strasbourg, okay, so near yeah. France. Yeah, exactly. I haven't gone Berlin before. Only Cologne. Yeah. Are you near Cologne or like not at all? No, 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 no. But my grandparents are living near them. Okay. I played there <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> how are you? No, really. How are you? How am I? I'm good today. I'm good. I woke up early and got to do my little gratitude practice and meditated and got... I'm Actually, we're going to have breakfast together because... Um, <laughs> That's I'm fine. Eating, I'm Charlie good. drank his coffee during the interview, so. What's up? I'm so thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're the first guest of season two, actually. Real title for episode one. Wow, stoked! Thank you. Yeah, of season two. Okay, so thank you for being my guest too. Of course. I have to tell you something funny. Three things, but they are really funny. First thing. When I sent you the details via mail and you responded, there was saying like Ed Breen responded to your mail. Yeah. And funny is that my neighbor who's over 80, is, his name is also Ed Breen. And I was like, does he have no mail really? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> I was so confused because I had to think of him. But I knew that your name is Ed Breen Brian, but I was like, then I knew it, but yeah. <laughs> You got great names. Are you friends with your neighbor, Edwin? Yeah. You guys are friendly. Dope. Dope. <laughs> I, like, I like people in their 80s. They're really cute. You're, I feel like everyone, I don't know. Some people are just like, when you get to that age, you're like, I might as well be nice. You know what I mean? And they just like wave on the street. And like, I like that. Yeah. But in this village, I'm living in a really, really tiny village where 1,500 people Wow. Yeah, and we are all like friends. I mean, okay, there are also some, you know, some people that you don't really understand well, but that's always so. <laughs> oh, find the good ones though, right? Yeah. And second thing, I never saw you the felt sign classes. You never saw me without sunglasses. Actually, like this was like a big choice and uh, I'm sort of, entering a phase in my life where like I'm not wearing sunglasses as much and like it's like a protection thing you know what I mean and I think when you're younger you're just like especially if you're a musician or like you know I spent so many years of my life like trying to be cool you know what I mean so many years and I would just throw them on and it was kind of like my thing 
and now I don't know I, pr- I practice like being happier consistently and I'm like I, was, I swear to god this is how like ridiculous I am I went on my own zoom account tried on my sunglasses beforehand took them off and I was like you don't need to wear these like this is like not you anymore you know thank you for bringing that up that was like just like a thing in my head I appreciate that but you always have like a cap how is it how you call it cap or no it's not a cap but how are you calling it look my hair is in this weird like phase right now where it's like not long and it's not short and I sort of look like uh Albert Einstein a little bit And the third thing what's really funny is that I re- I'm always researching before an interview, but I didn't really find something about you. What do you want to know? Tell me something about you. Um, okay. I was born in New York City. I had a remarkable connection to music when I was very, very little. Like, I remember the first time it hit me, like, it was yesterday, you know? And I remember where I was, and I remember what I was doing. And I went to this Catholic school on 89th Street, and I was, I think I was, I was in third grade. Um, I must have been nine years old. We were walking down to lunch, and, like, um, there was a chapel, like, from where my classroom was on the third floor down to the, like, lunchroom where we'd eat in the basement um there's a chapel and I will never forget it ever I walked by the chapel and I heard somebody strumming an electric guitar and it was like a I don't know what kind of guitar they were playing it was definitely distorted because I remember trying to do the thing myself and it not like sounding right you know um, so it was a distorted guitar it could have been like a g chord to an a chord it was two chords simple power chords, you know, and I'll never, I'll never, ever forget that moment. The hair on the back of my neck, like stood up and I, I swear to you, I was possessed and I was like, whatever it takes to make that sound, I'm going to do it. Like whatever it is, I don't care who I have to ask, beg, borrow, steal. I'm going to do that. <laughs> and, uh, that <laughs> the fact that it was in a church maybe, or like something to do with God or in a chapel, maybe mm-hmm. that effect on me when I was little. Because <laughs> I don't know, I never really thought about that until now. But it is pretty weird that like you go to those schools and they tell you all those things, and like the, the thing that got me in the most trouble ended up being a thing that I just saw like happen in church. So kind of funny. That's an interesting fact. Actually, the dude who was playing the guitar ended up being my first guitar teacher ever, and I was terrified to ask him when I was so scared. Like. Everything about music to me seems so intangible and, and, mm-hmm. and foreign. And it was, I felt like I'd still, you know, it's like the one thing that like makes me like cower in its presence. Like, and that's the most, I think, enticing thing about it to me still is that it doesn't matter. It's, there's good and bad to that because I've met terrible people who are amazing musicians and they'll, they can start playing or singing or doing something with the computer and immediately all of their character defects and their shortcomings are just wiped out. You know, mm-hmm. I've also met amazing people, amazing people who 
I want to like their music so badly. You know, you meet someone and they're just so charming and you're like, yeah. oh my God. And then you hear it and you're like, oh, you know? <laughs> so it's like the power of that thing. Like it's bigger than the people. And I think somehow when I was really, really little, I just like understood that, you know? Not to give myself too much credit, but it would, it just, it's still like, as a grown up, like kind of like it, it's, it's, so, I, I acknowledge how much bigger it is than me, you know? It'll be here way after me and was here before me. I, I read somewhere that you got named or you named yourself after your grandfather. Is that right? Yeah, after my dad's dad. Um, he was E.B. the first. Um, it's funny, we're so different as people, you know, like he was he was a he was a really cool guy. He's very handsome guy, very egotistical really funny he loved my grandmother so much you know but very kind of like stern and unforgiving like, i don't think like i embody his personality at all so it's funny that we share this name but wherever he is i love him yeah because i was like okay eb solis and then i looked up and was like oh he's the second uh, okay i am so for season two I have something like the 16 questions, but it's different. I, I called it the five life questions. Okay. And the first thing is, what's your full name? Edwin Bryant Solis II. Birthday? March 21st. In the year? I mean, if you want. <laughs> no, I'm just going to say I'm old enough to know that I don't know shit. But then your birthday and Charlie's birthday are really close together. Yeah. Yeah. He's for, wait, Neil, he's May, no, right? No, April. April 24th? Wow, <laughs> oh, come on, don't do this to me. I'm on the spot. Fuck, I feel <laughs> terrible. Something with April. Because Charlie and I, we met. You continue with your questions and I'll tell you how Charlie and I met. <laughs> Okay, a song who describes you the most. That's Life by Frank Sinatra. Okay. Describe yourself in two free sentences. Forever in gratitude, forever in love, forever in recovery. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your legend? Who's my legend? Oh, That's so hard. Does it have to be a person? No. Okay. I don't really know how, can I try and describe it? Because I don't know if there's like a word for it. The, the most legendary thing about life to me is that you can begin again at any moment. Mm -hmm. No matter how far down you get or how much bad you do there's always an opportunity for you to just throw your hands up and be like I don't like I'm, I'm out of control right now and I can and I can do better I, I feel like the most legendary thing is that I don't know I've just learned recently like how out of control like I really feel like I am you know and like mm -hmm the more I acknowledge that and the more I just try and be decent and try and 
be good and to be thankful and to be helpful and in service and less in my own head and, and more helpful, the better I feel. And the, and the fact that I was able to figure that out after so many things went down in my life and like I felt so fucked up, that's the most legendary thing about life to me. And the fact that anyone can do that, anyone, anywhere at any time can all of a sudden be like, I got to change. Change is my legend, you know, the ability to change. That's great. I never had that. <laughs> Sorry. Because with the person, like, it's, it's hard because, like, everyone's like this, you know? Like, and, like, I, I'm like that. And, and like, I'm, I'm good sometimes and I'm terrible sometimes. But, like, acknowledge that, you know? So how did you and Charlie meet? Charlie and I met. Um, he says that we have met in clubs DJing together. Yeah. I don't remember anything about those days. Nothing with you. Nothing. I remember showing up late, being nervous, being drunk, leaving, getting obliterated, and never knowing. I actually was like trying to go back through flyers the other day to be like, maybe I should save these. And I realized that for so long, I had been DJing in nightclubs and was just like, everything was over my head, you know? And like, I was in a band for a really, really long time. Bef like before that particular, kind of during, but like DJing became something I had to rely on after my band broke up. And Charlie and I says that, uh, he says that we met DJing. I don't remember that. I remember meeting Charlie in an Uber, we went to a friend's restaurant in, fuck, I always forget the name of this neighborhood, Ridgewood. It's in between Brooklyn and Queens. Okay. And we realized that we were making music, that we both made music, and I was just having like a particular like revelatory moment in my own music making. I had had a very interesting, like, kind of like, that was a very, very interesting moment in my life. Actually, like the, probably like the best moment I was, I've like ever had. It like led to everything good that I have now. And like, he was kind of like intrigued by it. You know, I hadn't shared it with too many people that I was making music, which everyone knew that I had done forever, but not even in the bad Burner Bridge way. Like mm -hmm. it was just like the, people were just fed up with my bullshit, you know? And okay. I was fed up with my bullshit. And like, I was just like, I didn't want to pitch to people anymore. You know, I had had some really good success as a songwriter. Um, I got a publishing deal in LA. I was ghostwriting for pop bands. One song did really well. It broke the number one record on Sirius, um, BPM channel. It went number one nine weeks in a row. I got an award from the Songwriters Hall of Fame for it. It went number one on iTunes Electronic twice. And it wasn't a song that I was proud of, you know? Okay. It, it's not like I hated it, but I remember listening to it and not caring, you know? Um, hearing playback and I'd written a ton of songs with these guys and they were, they were very ambitious. And like, I kind of had a feeling that something might happen if I kept working with them, which it did. 
And I remember hearing the playback and I was like, oh, and like went back to whatever I was doing. So much time passed between that moment and when <laughs> the song ended up coming out. I was on I was on tour with my friend when it came out and I got like a call from my CSAC rep and she was like, yo, this song is like, this song is going to like make you some money. And I was like, <laughs> never a phone call I expected to get in my life ever, you know? <laughs> and um, that was kind of like a brief moment in time. And then I, I'm sure maybe it doesn't happen to everyone. It's happened to some people. I sort of was like, okay, but like the next one is going to be like way bigger and like blah, blah, blah. And like, there was no next one, you know? So um, part of that and part of just like that headspace for me was like, I was in my own band for a long time. I loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it. We got a manager who worked for some really famous, really legendary people. And uh <laughs> all of a sudden this thing in my head switched. And I was like, as long as I do what he wants me to do, mm -hmm. like if I just do it for long enough, like I'll be able to do what I want to do one day, you know? And like somehow you get into that mindset and it just takes you so long to break. Cause you're like, you're like resistance weakens, you know? Mm -hmm. They, they, you like give them an inch and they take a mile and they're like okay not just do a song my way like do an album my way then it's like dress my way then it's like mm -hmm. here's how you should talk to people in interviews do you know what I mean and at a certain point yeah I mean that was like a five-year period of my life you know which like bled into the band it, the band broke up then another friend of mine who was just gonna manage me as a songwriter he got backed by a venture capitalist to start his own um, record company. And he gave me a publishing deal. And that's how I met um, the guys who I was writing songs for. And so after that, that song happened, shortly after it succeeded, I quit drinking and partying. That was mm -hmm. in November of 2017. And I spent two years trying to like, not do it with like recovery or any help just dry you know what I mean okay. they call it white white knuckling like urgh. like by myself I was like I don't want to go to AA I don't want help I don't want anything you know and shortly before I met Charlie I sort of had like a holy shit moment in my life and I was just like you know down on my knees like I'd never like you know, had like that moment, like being like, please help me, please help me, whatever, whoever is listening, please just like, I'll do anything if I, if I never have to feel like this again. And a little bit after that, I was having a really, really sad day. And I was sort of like, I think if I don't make music right now, I'd given up, you know what I mean? I was mm -hmm. like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And I was depressed and I was, I was like dry and I, I wasn't talking to anybody and I was really lonely. And I started making music again. And I remember I was like, I'm just going to finish this until it's done. And no lie, I ended up writing the best song I've ever written before. And I knew it when it was done and knew it. And like that song hasn't been released yet. Okay. 
someone is interested in putting it on their record. Someone, <laughs> someone amazing, you know? And um, we'll see if that happens. If it doesn't, we'll probably end up releasing it. But I remember sending it to somebody I really, really admire, like one of my musical heroes, my friend Jerry, at Tiz himself. If you don't know him, look him up. He's like a, he's younger than me. How's his name, Jerry? Jerry, J-E-R-R-Y. But his his music name is Tiz, T-I-Z, like Tiz himself. Um, And uh, I sent it to him and he was like, let me see what I can do with this. And I knew (laughs) when I sent it to him because we had never had that communication before. I look up to him so much that like, when he was like, this is really good, I was like, maybe I can't, maybe I can do this, you know? Mm-hmm. I was just feeling so low and so sad. And like, all of a sudden it was this jolt. And then another friend of mine was like, you should try making rap music with no drums in it. And I was like, that's genius. So like, I started doing that. And then I met Charlie, like, sh- like shortly thereafter. And I explained all of this to him and he was like, we could sit down and make some music together. And um, we did. And I remember kind of having that moment the first day that we worked together. And I didn't really know anything about Charlie. You know what I mean? I, and that's why I'm saying the whole thing about the clubs and knowing one another. <laughs> I, that's the thing. Like, I'm, dude, I'm a space case, you know? So, like, a lot of it is, like, lost on me, truly. And, um when I sat down with him, it was just me making music with another person. And like, I really, really liked the music we made. I did. I remember like riding home and it was raining in an Uber and like listening to it from Brooklyn and like being like, this is really good. I I would like to see where this goes. When I was eight, I started reading biographies (laughs) of like literally everybody. I realized that I think I just learned so much from these biographies that always the the manager was kind of always the person who changed the the star to a different person they they didn't want it to be and i think from that moment on i got this mindset that i want to be independent for example now this is podcast i said i'm going to do everything on my own i self-published my book two weeks ago because i said i want to do it on my own <laughs> yes, man. that's amazing anybody who puts their mind to anything can do anything yeah there i mean despite all of his recent lunacy there was a version of kanye west that was a kid sitting down with a drum machine trying you know what i mean (laughs) yeah same with david bowie he was just a a kid at a piano one day look i do believe in god-given talent there's no denying that some people have that extra touch but trust Mm me the ones we know about they worked harder than everybody else seriously I'm not into sports, but I watched the Michael Jordan thing that was on ESPN. Everybody was talking about it. Everybody who ever knew the guy was like, when we were taking the summers off after college, he was in the gym practicing, you know? Mm-hmm. And we were going home and hanging out with our wives. He was with the coach reviewing game tapes. Like, yeah. there's no surprises there. Same with Prince. I just read Prince's book. And like, all he ever did was make music. You yeah. know what I mean? He never stopped. And when he wasn't making music, he was writing Purple Rain. And when, mm. when he was writing Purple Rain, he was designing costumes. Like, 
that's that's what it takes. Damn, like you can do anything. Sing, learn to roller skate, whatever you want. You know, yeah. like for real. Yeah. So when I got bullied, I got bullied to school two years in school. That was really hard, and I was always called a dreamer, and I would never make it. All that stuff, and then when I changed school and rereading all these biographies and rewatching all these documentaries, I learned that every star got told they would not do it. And they kept just going and they always got told they're dreamers, but they, you know, they reached the dreams and I was like, okay, I can do that too. <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think why people tell you that in school is because everybody has doubt in themselves. You know, mm -hmm. I have doubt, you have doubt. Most, for most people, and especially in that metamorphosis from child to adult, mm -hmm. um, that doubt becomes cynicism, you know? And then, yeah. and then it becomes anger. And then it becomes repressed anger, which turns, in, <laughs> which turns into finger pointing, you know? Yeah. And people being like, you can't do it. And yeah. of course, there's, there are teachers who are guilty of that. They're great teachers. They're okay yeah. teachers. You know, like we all know the difference. But like one thing that's really true is like I've spent my life being a dreamer and only very recently like have I become a doer, you know? And I realize, you know, I've let go of the illusion that it could be any different, you know? It's like it it, it it is what it is now. Yeah. But the truth is when I started really trying and I started really putting the hours in, I realized that like I could do something with the thoughts or passions that I yeah. had. And it really up to me, honestly. And like, that was a big lesson for me to learn because you, if you grow up in New York or you grow up in a place where like I was ambitious and there were a lot of people who were like, Oh, let me help you. Let me help mm -hmm. you. You know what I mean? And like, course I'll let people do the homework for me all day long you know and um that was probably dumb you know in, in hindsight, because I should have learned to do the homework myself I should have learned how to do all the hard stuff and like learning curve you know baby steps now and then it'll just be big leaps when I look back yeah when I started making like self-publishing my book I remember I had a good friend my brother and I, we had a good friend, which was uh, Tim. And uh, he kind of said, yeah, I'm helping you. And then he told me some things about that. I interviewed him about self-publishing books on Amazon. And then he kind of helped me. And he was like, yeah, if you have any questions, then just ask me. And then one month later, he died. And, Sorry. and <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. It's now one year ago. But I was really like, okay, now I have no one and no one around me. Like I'm told you, I'm a tiny, I'm living in a tiny village and like nobody's here musician or nobody's here an author or nobody's publishing anything. And I was really like, okay, now I'm on my own. And then I really just said, okay, I've not to learn that. And I really sat down and read books and watched tutorials on YouTube and all that stuff. That's yeah. But that's funny because you said in New York, you have the ability to like, people want to help you and then you t you told me now that it's dumb and I was always like and, and you want someone who helps me <laughs> yeah but that's the greatest thing about the internet now you know what yeah. I mean really in this moment in time where like you know we were all 
practically born on the internet. And like, we've realized that it's not only a tool for Instagram and Mm -hmm. many things and games, but it's like a place where we experienced love for the first time. You know what I mean? It's, it's a a place where we experienced real hatred and anger for the first time. And it's all, it's just allowed us the ability to communicate these things with other people. And like, you can find people on the internet. I just sent a beat to some kid from the club 40 love page who hit me up and was like, how much do you guys charge for beat? And I thought, cause I've like worked with a lot of rappers. I was like, is he asking us if we can pay him to be on a song? Cause I was like, I can't, <laughs> but like, um, I'm down to talk about something. And I had listened to his music and I was like, I love this guy's voice. He reminded me of no Lamberolin and all these like SoundCloud rappers. I love, I sent him something and he was like, this is amazing. And I was like, I think you're amazing. And like, dude, that's a, a DM off Instagram. I hope his friends like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I know. I love the thing that like I worked on and like Charlie and me had used it for like a video clip and like, it's just sort of like sitting in the ether right now. So I was like, yeah, I'll send this kid this thing. Like for sure. Like why not? And he loved yeah. it. Here's this thing for the first time ever, where if you want to self publish your book or like, you want to reach out to people. There are yeah. groups and meetings and everybody's home right now. And like, what better time to like allow, you know, those seeds that we've planted to kind of grow and blossom. Yeah. And see what us. yeah. Or I'm just DMing legends. I just, you know, I mean, I'm DMing you. <laughs> Legend, but like, I definitely, um, I definitely am so interested by the fact that you're trying. You know, I'm I'm inspired by you for trying, seriously. Like, here here we all are stuck at home. And we're people here on the planet Earth trying, right? Like, shout out to us. Like, that's awesome. So who influenced you the most to make music? My family was very musical. I knew that I could sing when I was really little. Um, I was put in like the special group of singers in school when I was really young of like the kids who had good voices. Um, my dad was super inspiring to me. I'd say like my, like my like favorite, like musician musicians, is that what you're asking? Yeah. There have been a lot that have like influenced me at different points. I think like if I were to give you like my top five um, all time, Stevie Wonder, Keith Richards, uh, Bob Marley, um, Prince, And it's hard for me to say this one because his personal life and his personal politics are so like, comically disastrous. But like, and, and this is a new one for me, is, is Kanye. Like, this is like probably like three, four years old. I spent my whole life hating Kanye West. <laughs> Every couple of years, I, my, my friend Jenny Lewis um, 
actually, she like put this practice into me. She was telling me about the pre-production she did for a record called The Voyager and her producer at the time told her to listen to this band called Creed. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. No, I think I heard of them. Yeah, they're, I think they suck. But, and she thought they sucked too, but she listened to this, this band, his, their pre-production process. He was like, you have to listen to Creed for two weeks. And she listened to nothing but Creed for two weeks. And she went on to, you know, maybe the most amazing record of her career. I don't want to say that because her last record was great too, but she wrote an amazing record after listening to shit she hated, right? So I was like, I'm going to do that too. And so my two artists a few years back were Kanye and Billy Joel. I didn't like Billy Joel and I didn't like Kanye. Ended up loving them. And for, for me, for him, like, I think uh, the reason, you know, all those other guys, of course, like you, come, you say Bob Marley and it's just like, he's a deity in Jamaica. Like he people <laughs> songs in church, you know? So it's weird to throw Kanye West in there, but he was taking risks in places where other people were not taking risks and he invented things years before they were popular. And I respect that immensely. I don't know the last song, all of it recently has been really like hard for me to stomach. I think for a lot of people, but uh, you know, he's got moments, man. You go back and listen to some of that stuff and you're just like, Oh my God, this guy's so talented. So talented. So those, yeah, that would, that would, those would be like my music legends. Okay. What's your favorite music genre? I need to like get this out of the way and say it because my favorite band of all time is a band called Fish. Do you know this band? P-H-I-S-H? No, no. Because <laughs> um, they're, they're very like, They've never had a hit record. They've never had a platinum single. Okay. And they sell out Madison Square Garden 13 nights in a row. They've n- they haven't played, they haven't played to an, em- they've never not played to a sold out stadium in like 30 years, you know, but they fly completely under the radar, just doing their own thing. Ever to try and emulate anybody, not musically, but just, emotionally it would be them they are it for me so like genre they have everything baked into theirs and if it wasn't for them i wouldn't even be listening to (laughs) what's your favorite music decade my favorite music decade is probably the 90s because i was a kid and like even the old stuff i discovered i discovered then and like that was the first time i'd ever like you know, I was really young. I was like, you know, eight and nine and 10. And like, you hear music for the first time and you're just like, oh, you know, like you just like, yours. <laughs> and I, I still find myself going back. Like if I'm on like autopilot, like I'll be going back and like listening to like 90s, like music, mm-hmm. like, you know. I was eight. And my, my dad always had music on. And um, he always listened to oldies, like 80s. He was really an 80s fan and the rock music and that stuff. And I listened, I was eight, and I listened to France Will Be France by Queen on the radio. 
and I wanted yeah. to know this song. And then he found it and was like, yeah, that's friends, but friends will be friends by queen. And since then, that was eight when I was eight years. And that was the moment where I discovered music. Eighties are the best music ever. I want to just listen to the eighties. And then I went, always went back. I listened then I started listening to the seventies, to the sixties, to the fifties. Then I discovered Roy Orbison and called myself after him. I mean, you know. <laughs> I, love I love that. I didn't know that. That's so cool. <laughs> and then last year I said, okay, I'm just going now into the new music. And then during quarantine, actually, I discovered the 90s because I left out the 90s and just went to the to the zeros and then to the 10s. And um, yeah, but I like the 90s now too. <laughs> It was the last, you know, I think like looking back, it was the last time that like rock and roll music before very recently was able to be new, you know, yeah. or was accepted. It's something that was like truly new because Charlie and I like the way that I always look at Club 40 Love is that like we're a rock band, you know, but mm -hmm. we're using instruments. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's like, that was kind of like my, my hope when we got together was that like, we would make rock music but not use instruments or we wouldn't rely on instruments the way that a rock band had in the past you know we would take all these influences that we had had so much rap music you know what I mean I was like a rock and roll guy raised on rap music so like I always wanted to express that part of like my love for all that stuff but like certainly wasn't about to like get on the microphone and start it felt ridiculous <laughs> Yeah, but again to Club 40 Love, I have a question. Every mm -hmm. time I listen to look, Don't Look Down, I have the feeling that the first part where you're singing is your part. And then when the instrumentals are coming, that's like Charlie said, okay, now we have to put something like more brighten up. Is that right? <laughs> I can't imagine it like that. Um, sort of. I mean, that I had... Uh, demo that I had made and like part of what we did the day that we met to write that song was we, we sat down and I played him a bunch of stuff that I had been working on and one thing like really perked him up that ended up becoming don't look down and it was sort of like the long thing with like it had like strings in it and like a bass line that we ended up like what sounds like the bells now was it's mm -hmm. like a bass guitar. Um, there is this little like kids voice in the background like yeah and like I that was over the whole track and so I remember both of us were like this is dope like we have to put in the song like this is great but like the whole way through it's just gonna be like you know so <laughs> we just like figured out to put that part but the singing part I remember because I wrote the lyrics in the bathroom of the studio and sort of had weird because when you write songs a lot of the time like I'll spend hours and hours writing lyrics and like it was like that for a lot of the songs that we wrote and some of the ones we did together like Stand United we did together I had I had like written the melody to the to the chorus um I think even before like Charlie and I had worked together but like um, we wrote those lyrics in his studio, like um, the second verse, and then the lyrics for Don't Look Down kind of just like came right out. You know what I mean? There was like no stopping. 
he hummed the melody to the chorus. I remember because I have it on my phone. It's a voice note, and he was like, na 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 na, and like, I remember sitting down on the couch and just kind of writing down the first thing that came to my head, and like that became the song. And it's probably, you know, in that like of, of all the songs we've worked on that was the one that when I got it back from him after working on it, that I listened to the most for my own pleasure, you know, Mm -hmm. I really love that song, you know, and I'm super proud to have like worked on it. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And club for, I love that the lyrics are always like, it's always hope in these lyrics and it's always positive and like always stand united and don't look down and that stuff. It's always like, yeah, don't look down and stand united. <laughs> because like with don't look down, I feel like I'd had a lot of change going on in my life. I just moved to LA for the second time. Um, I was sober. I was, I had a new job, like a, a job that was incredibly intense. And like, I felt like I was on a tightrope, you know? And like, as long as you don't look down, like you're not gonna fall. <laughs> And when you close your eyes, you know, you're actually like, you can see the goal. You can see the finish line. Like you can, you, like, you can see yourself not falling on the tightrope. So just like, yeah. that's the idea. Or like in the instrument part, you're seeing yourself flying up and like, yeah, yeah. don't look down. No, for sure. I love that you got that. Cause that's like, <laughs> yeah, man, you know, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I just remember I woke up and I mean, in Germany, we can listen to it before you guys in the u.s can listen to it <laughs> and i woke up and was like everybody left the house and i was okay i have to wash my hair and i'm always listening to music like getting ready for the day and i was like oh charlie Nippy put out the song okay i listen to it now and i was like washing my hair and was like oh this is dope <laughs> i was really like oh this is this is amazing <laughs> thank you that's so nice that's so nice it's all worth it and then i listened to the song the whole day and like the next days i just had this this song spinning my hand and singing around and everybody was like can you stop singing that song (laughs) so when so when we when i first got the um the playback i had to take a really really long drive from where i am in santa monica to a place deep in the valley in la called west which is like an hour away from where I was living. So I was, I was riding every morning to work with my friend who was this, she was working with me at the time. She was a surfer and we would go up PCH Pacific Coast Highway every day and then drive through Malibu Canyon. And like the song would play and there would be these giant mountains that we would be driving around. <laughs> I grew up, you know, so like I'm, I'm such a city kid and like the idea, <laughs> and mountains and like all this stuff around I was just like oh my god you know and like hearing that song we she loved the song so we would listen to it all the time in her car (laughs) and um I remember just thinking like I think people are gonna like this one because like I like it and I'm so critical of myself you know like I wrote songs for a lot of a lot of time in my life that I was, was just like, okay, like people will like this. I had the wrong intention, you know? And like, okay. I think at the end of the day, like if you don't like it, like 
wears, you know? Like, yeah. Um, so your music genre, what are you doing? So what are you making music is electronic, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's electronic. I don't know. For, I'm, I'm a songwriter first and foremost. So like, yeah. I feel like I can't do it without a guitar and a voice, you know? So with our songs, I feel like we could take everything away, play them on a piano and sing it and it would still be good. So like all the bells and whistles are cool, but like, I don't know. That's just like, you know, it, it, that's like whatever. It's like decoration, you know? Yeah. Tree, you can't have the Christmas tree. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Maybe you're releasing some stripped down versions. Yeah, I think at some point I would love to explore that option, you know. So what's your process of songwriting? My process of songwriting is trying until I get something that I like listening back to. Yeah, it just starts with me doing something until I like it. Sometimes I write vocal melodies. Sometimes I start with lyrics. It really depends. It's like, it's different, a little bit different every time. Um, with Club 40 Love, it's easier because there's intention there. You know, I think I know what it's supposed to sound like. So getting yeah. there, it, 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 that's different. But when I'm just like writing, that's when I like need to like focus. I'm working on something. I just sent Tiz himself a song last week. And I was sort of writing it with him in mind. And I was like, I'm going to do this until it sounds good and it took like you know, two weeks for like something that was like I don't know two minutes long <laughs> and now I'm working on another one I was playing with it last night I just kind of try and do a little bit each day you know just open up my computer and like play with it um I have my guitar tuned in open E right now which means that like the strings make a chord when you don't like press anything yeah um, Cause I was like, all right, like I've been in like standard tuning for a long time. Maybe I'll just retune it and like get something out of it, you know. What program are you using? Ableton 9. I don't want to upgrade to 10. <laughs> I told everybody not to upgrade to 10. Like they do it and they regret it. Um, sorry, Charlie, if you're listening to this, like I'm not upgrading to 10. Fuck that shit. <laughs> no, but I, I purchased, uh, so I got to Christmas, uh, or I gifted myself to Christmas this MIDI keyboard. Oh. Cool. Yeah, and that was Ableton Live 10. This, and uh, <laughs> I didn't even have the chance to upgrade it. <laughs> oh, so you started at 10. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. Get, I'm still using a cracked version of Ableton 9. Almost all of the demos that became Club 40 Love, Love songs were made on a cracked version of Ableton 9. But uh, I kind of had a better understanding of how to do the thing before I ever had a digital recording interface. Okay. Yeah, sure. But that's your generation kind of. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like my generation are like always like bedroom pop and that stuff. <laughs> but I love a lot of that stuff. I do. Yeah. And I appreciate it. Craig, what, what are your plans for today? My plans for today after we hang up are to get to work. I'm the brand director of a company called Big Dogs. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, th th that's what I saw in your Instagram video. <laughs> yeah. And um, 
were working on collections for the fall and for Christmas. And um, yeah, that's what I'll be doing today. And usually on Friday nights, I do a little double feature with movies. So tonight, I'm not sure what I'm going to watch, but I can tell you that last week I did The Trip and Beyond Valley of the Dolls. And the week before that, I did Over the Edge and Kids. And then the week before that was A Guide to Recognizing Your Saints and Clockers. So I'll pick two movies. That sounds great. So you do that when you have the time I have right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's what I do on Friday nights. I love watching movies. Um, I love going to the movies. And since we can't do that right now, yeah. I have like all, like all the channels, like every plus HBO Max, Hulu, Amazon, all of it. And so like, I'll pick <laughs> things, a lot of like old obscure movies too, and like watch them on Fridays. And eat pizza. Yeah. Yeah, but kind of having this ritual is great because when I'm walking, I'm really like sitting down. Like I'm the only one in my school right now who's like walking <laughs> during school. Bad kid, let me tell you, like you're gonna do great things. Don't ever change. Keep keep doing it. So I'm waking up and then I'm walking, 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 walking. Sometimes I'm really like dancing just to you know calm down. And then at nights I'm really like watching. As I told you, I was a kid who listened to 80s music and that stuff. And I also just watched 80s movies, series. So every time I go to bed, I watch one episode of Magnum P.I. or Columbo. Hey, I've been watching Magnum P.I. too. That's so crazy. Yeah, just first I time I love ever. Magnum. Started in the pandemic. So good. So good. <laughs> Never. Oh, my God. Amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm super into it. Didn't you, didn't you watch it before? No, I never saw it. I But you're watching like, the old series. Yeah, yeah, yeah the old Because series. there went like a revisited version. I don't know. And I, I didn't watch it because I was like, I will be disappointed. <laughs> yeah. I, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't watched the new one. Um, I actually think I have a friend who writes for the new one. Um, oh, <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, but I, I think he, he writes for television. You know what I mean? Like it, it's... It, it, It's not that, it's something else. But like, I think that's the I knew there was a Magnum PI out. Okay. I don't, watch TV. I don't even have cable. I like to watch old Beverly Hills 90210, mm -hmm. um, Melrose Place. Yeah. Although she wasn't allowed to watch it as a kid. Like, I feel like I can watch it now because I'm a grown up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but keep watching Magnum PI, it's great. I watched all eight seasons. He was like, I, sit, I, I had two posters of Magnum on my wall. <laughs> celebrity crush, Tom Selleck as Magnum PI? No, he was not my celebrity crush, but around that time it started with my dad kind of, you know, <laughs> he kind of became difficult. And I was just like, I want to have a dad like Tom Selleck and Magnum PI. So I got these two posters and I was like, yeah, daddy. <laughs> totally weird. Oh my God. <laughs> so funny. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, actually, that was my first book I ever finished. That was a fan fiction. It was, was called Magnum's Daughter. <laughs> so you're, I'm talking to Magnum's Daughter, like, basically. It's, it's what's happening. That's amazing. Amazing. <laughs> okay. Then, yeah. That was great.
I really appreciate it. Like whatever you're doing, don't question anything. Remember to breathe, keep your blinders on and just clean out that noise for real. Keep going. Great. <laughs> Great, then have a nice day. Bye. Bye. This was Evie Sullis, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode and are excited for the interviews I've prepared for season two that are coming out in the next weeks. Maybe you'll subscribe to this podcast and maybe you're gonna check out the link in my bio to support this show, to support me. There's my Patreon and if you become a Patreon... I can tell you that you will get unseen and unheard bonus content from this episode. It's definitely worth it to check it out. And until then, have a nice night, day. I don't know, wherever you are right now. Night, day, evening, afternoon. No idea. And we see us next week for the episode with Kyla Rain. Your host, Bonnie Orbison. <laughs>